Welcome back, everybody, to Keep It 111. As always, my name is Andy, and always joined by Sanha. Yo. Today, folks, we got a... Well, well, I guess if you think about it, it's only been like, you know, four, three, four days since the last time we uh, kick back and talk about sports. But this week, we still have some some spicy topics to talk about. Yeah, we do. Uh, EPL heating up as we, you know, talk really more seriously about relegation in top four. Champions League winding down, semifinal first leg kicked off. Um, just finished um, the the first legs for both ties, and we're going to talk about that. And then the NBA first round, that's also coming to an end with some series, and some series, you know, they seem like they're going to take a little bit longer. So we'll talk about that as well. And finally, NFL draft coming tomorrow. So uh, we definitely have to say something about uh, the draft because, and it, it is a complicated one, you know, to yeah. kind of wrap your head around, isn't yeah. it, Sanha? So, but more on that to come. Sanha, let's first talk about. EPL. Oh, um, let, let's talk about. Well, I think I think at this point we can say top four is a is a two horse race. I mean, are, are, are any objection to that? Nope, nope. Ever, you know, yep. in fact, in fact, ever since ever since minute five of the Liverpool match, where Liverpool, you know, stuck a dagger into our hearts, I knew that the top four race was over for Manchester United. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, and and if if there was anything right, I mean, well, like Man U had like you know the outside chance, like it was a must-win game. Don't get it done against uh, Arsenal. Can't say the result was unexpected, right? Because Arsenal, you know, they they're they're having some depth issues with injuries to guys like Tierney and and uh, Partey, but even without that, Arsenal has shown the consistency right throughout the season. I think that. I think you know resulted in a in a win that was I think surprising to none of us. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, you know, United has no one to blame but themselves because you know if you if you look at their their actual win losses, right? They have fewer losses than both Tottenham and Arsenal, right? Yeah, they have ten. Arsenal, Tottenham have eleven each, right? So uh, the the lost points came from all the draws. Right, it's because United weren't able to convert a lot of drawn games by scoring just one goal. Like a lot of those draws, it's literally just one goal that you needed, right? Um, and they could have been in a much, much different place than they are now. Um, but you know, here they are. It's, it's their own fault, and you know, there are pundits saying now that United's United's current structure doesn't attract elite players anymore. And, you know, we don't have Champions League football again, which is another reason why elite players wouldn't want to come again. So, like, it's just like this vicious cycle of somehow, you know, the darlings of the EPL for a long, long time have kind of fallen to this place where it's no longer an attractive destination for elite players. A lot of LA Lakers. Um... If I'm being frank, uh, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, why is it all my teams? What the fuck? Uh, I mean, dude. Uh, I mean, coming from a dude that like you know roots always for the like the outside teams mm -hmm. that don't have super big markets. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't really relate to that. I mean, the closest like big market team that you can argue that I root for are the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
I mean, they are, I guess, like the Manchester United of hockey, but it's hockey. Yeah. So it's yeah. It, like it's it doesn't feel like a big market, you know, team that I'm rooting for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only only relatively speaking, but but um, yeah, I think Manchester United, yeah, Lakers are in a very similar situation, you know, just middling results with, you know, but they still sell out, you know, they they still yeah. make a lot of revenue off of those tickets. They still have a big following. That's not going anywhere. It's just, you know, they're going through a rough patch. And I think bringing in Ten Hag, right, I think is going to be a good opportunity. But the, I think the important thing with Ten Hag is like they got to actually give him a shot to fail for a little bit if if that's necessary, you know, um, kind of bite the bullet a little bit if that means there's more long-term prosperity. And I think he's the type of guy that like i can see him like forging something that might be conducive to more long-term success which is what the club needs i think they need to stop stop this like you know short-term like win now mentality because i don't think it's doing them any good a lot of that squad needs to be shipped out you know i think guys like rashford you know these kinds of guys like i think they've overstayed their welcome at this point um and a lot of those guys need to go mcguire obviously but um as for this season a lot of their failures i feel like in terms of their results and you alluded to it lots of draws and lots of blown games and things like that it does feel a lot like how spurs played last year and they are headed in a similar standing in the table because your defensive mistakes cost you and i think that's what we saw a lot from united this season i mean not giving their offense a pass by any means but their defense as time and time again, you know, conceded at moments when, you know, they were cruising towards victory. And, and so I think those kinds of things just add up. And the thing is with, with a three point system for a win versus a loss um, and a draw giving you one point, it's not like hockey where you give <laughs> two points for the win and one point for the, for the like overtime loss, for example. Right. So, just a win to a draw that swing is just too big and if you keep you know spoiling wins like that it's it is pretty disastrous and it spells kind of the end Uh, let's move on to uh, Everton though Everton right now in 18th place man Uh, do they make it out at this point I mean do do you is there any hope for this team because I think we all saw the hope was Burnley sacking Sean Dyche I mean what are they thinking? But then they sack Sean Dyche and Mike Jackson comes in and just moonwalks them out of out of relegation zone. <laughs> you know, like he and just, true, just brings br- brings the team right back into 17th. And we all didn't see it coming, but it is where it is at this point. And Everton got a bunch of fixtures coming up that I don't see them getting any points out of, to be honest with you. I think they're kind of screwed, right? I, I, we talked about it briefly last week of what the what their fixtures look like versus Burnley because that that's what it is, right? It's like it's like a it's it's them or Burnley at this point, right? For the for the last relegation spot, um, and... leads with an outside shot to blow it. I mean, it's I mean, true, bad, true, but... true. But largely, yeah. we were th- we're thinking that it's going to come down to Burnley Everton, um. And I don't believe they play each other. Yeah, they don't play each other. But, man, Everton, it, it looks rough, man. They have, what What do they even have left that they can win? Like, yeah, I, I think we'll, they have a we'll Watford bur- match? 
Yeah, I, I think if Burnley wins next week, it's a wrap. Um, or, yeah, or yeah, that's Burnley right. wins that's this right. weekend. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because Burnley because they're gonna, they're up against. Yeah, uh, they're gonna be. Uh, they're gonna have two games against Villa. Maybe they'll take the one at Turf Moor. Maybe, but um, they're up against Spurs. Uh, I, I mean, hopefully that's gonna be an L. And <laughs> they're up against Newcastle, and Newcastle are, have been playing well since they splurged. You know, at the deadline. Yeah, so I yeah. Newcastle by no means is a low table team anymore. They're they're a I would say like current form. They're a mid-table, they're maybe a solid mid-table team. They're a solid exactly. Like, so, look so at their, that's not yeah. Look at their last four fixtures. They have three nil right. wins. It's, it's, it's gonna take yeah. It's gonna take a lot to get points rough. from that. But the Everton schedule looks even worse. It looks brutal, right? I man. Mean, I I don't see them. I don't see them getting points. Um. So I think it's one to keep an eye on, and, and you know, and, and as the season winds down, you know, we're gonna have to start, you know, asking questions on the podcast. How do what if you're Everton? How do you manage to get out of the championship? Does Frank Lampard stick around? I mean, but these are questions maybe are a little bit too early for us to ask on this podcast, but yeah, it's something yeah. to think about, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but moving on to Champions League, um, City and. Real playing a thriller, and I have to say, oh. you know, after City went went up two zero mm-hmm. early, I was I was thinking, it's kind of a wrap. Yeah, me too. It's a wrap. Me like too. you know, I think it's this is getting out of hand, but Real Madrid manages to get out of the Etihad only down one in the tie, and Real Madrid is like they have some divine you know intervention on their side when it comes to the champions league it's like they are the chosen team for success in this competition it feels like they just trot out like a team that has no business making it to the finals and they're in it they they got the next match is going to be at home and you know i I think i think a one goal deficit when you have kareem benzema playing the way that he does right now it's Mm -hmm. it's anybody's game and I don't say that to disrespect Pep or anything, but like it's just the way it is. If you're playing Madrid in in the Champions League, uh, they're just a really tough out every single year. Yeah, it really is. And and when when you have you know Modric, Cruz heading up your your midfield, like your your forwards have so much support and so much like consistent high level support that if you have like anyone literally just around the level of Benzema. And Benzema's obviously playing kind of crazy out of his mind right now. How old is Benzema? Benzema has to be... Like 34. Probably. Right? Right? Like, this guy... Yeah, this guy's 34. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah he, 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 he's old, but... He's old, he, but he's, he plays a style that, you know, he's he doesn't play a style that, you know, relies on pace. Exactly. He's not a speedster. Um, he's not something like that. Yeah. Um, yep. he, he's, he's a just smart classic, advanced striker. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. But then, then, then they have the speed on the outside, right? With Rodrigo and, and Vinicius, um, and so yeah, Vinicius is having a great campaign. Oh this my year. lord! And you know, great for Vinicius because I don't remember the last like sixteen-year-old wonder who we've seen like kind of blossom at the world stage um, since they get get signed into one of these big clubs, right? Because last one was like Odegaard, who like I mean Odegaard decent but he's not like the though he didn't live up to the hype right yeah exactly he's he not the thunderkin prodigy that everyone was saying that he was going to be right if he lived up to the hype he would not be playing at arsenal yeah 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 <laughs> exactly 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 uh he still get real probably uh 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a good time. I think uh, people say that like you know Real Madrid and Barcelona they're kind of going through a low, but Barcelona's got Pedri. You know, like they have a lot of you know upcoming talent like Fati. Like they've got a lot of upcoming talent that's you know I think you know will be very very successful when they hit you know 23 24 that they're they're going to be world class for sure if yeah. they're not already so um there's no you know reason to panic or be discouraged if you're following any of those you know the big spanish giants i think and for madrid this season if they get to the champions league final all, very big win but can't say that anybody has real expectations for them to beat city to begin with yep. but they're putting up a really big fight right now, and I think it's anybody's game in the second leg. Um, as for Liverpool and Villarreal, though, I think that one's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Like, a wrap. Villarreal should be happy that they're even here in the semis. Right, um, right. They they kind of pulled a heist, right, beating Bayern to get here. And frankly, I would have... They had no business. No, absolutely no business. Absolutely no business. Like, I would have honestly, like much preferred a Bayern Liverpool semi. Um we had that a oh, few yeah. years ago, didn't we? Um I think we did. In, in any case, like that that would have been like a great matchup. A la, you know, the City Real matchup that we're seeing. Uh, I think that would have been even closer to be honest. Yeah, like, I think so too. Like, I think I don't know who to give it to. Um I mean because Bayern, Liverpool and City are the three best teams in the world right now, I yep. think in no particular order. Yep. Um and we were talking and, about this, right? We were talking about how it's probably just Bayern and PSG who can match up, you know, quality of players to quality of players with City and Liverpool. They're probably the only other team. It's it, they're the only two teams I think you know that I would give like a shot, like in a in, in a in a two leg tie. Yeah. You know, I mean, Real now that they're only down one. <laughs> It's it a little bit like different it, now, yeah, but. but but if you were if we were to reel you know the tape back and I had to guess again, I would still guess you know City's going to come out of it easily, comfortably, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, and so you know that's just a good performance by Real, I think. But I think yeah, um, Bayern would have been such a fun ma- fun uh, tie, but I think it's looking right, you know. We would expect based on how things are going, City Liverpool meet again at the final. They just played at the Premier League at the Etihad, which ended in a draw. And we both said that we expected Liverpool to take it. Yeah. Um, has your mind changed in a, in a Champions League City-Liverpool final? It, do you still think Liverpool takes it? Is it going to be an extra time affair? What do you think it's going to be? So it's one match, which, is, which makes it hard. Right. Uh, that right, right, and and it also makes it a little bit like you know a little bit less pressure to be right because it is a one. Right, right, right. Fall yeah. It a little bit. <laughs> Man, it's just so hard because the lineup that I'm looking at is just it's ridiculous. Like they're both just so loaded, they're so balanced uh, at every level of of their of their lineups and. It's really hard to say. Um, if I if I had to guess, I might be leaning. Just, okay, this is just purely based off of the form of the Real match, 
I might be leaning City just because I think their midfielders have a better chance at adding to the goal score than Liverpool's midfielders. I think their forwards are like pretty even. Like Jesus is kind of insane. Um, I don't know. I, I give the I give the slight edge of forwards to Liverpool in terms of expected goal production. But I think right. but I think expected goal production on in the midfield is pretty heavily weighted towards City. Um and so then if I add those up, it kind of becomes a city favored match in my head. I don't know. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think it's I I think the forwards, I, I I think, you know, I give I would probably bump the Liverpool advantage up front a little bit stronger. Okay. okay. Um, because they also have the depth. They right? do, yeah. Bringing Luis Diaz and Firmino off the bench in an extra time affair, which is could very well be in the cards, sure. is a very big advantage. Um, in fact, it's it's a big advantage to the point that I think if you're City, going to extra time is trouble. I don't think City wants any of that. Um, I 100% agree. 100%. Um. And so Liverpool's playing, if I'm Liverpool and if I'm Klopp, I'm thinking, you know, extra time is actually okay because yep. I have so much, you know, firepower coming off the bench yep. that, you know, there can be some individual quality. Hell, even Origi is not somebody that, like, if you're City, like, you're, you're, you're happy to see because Origi just built different. I mean... From personal experience, the dude sinks dreams. <laughs> and so, and, and, which leads me to my second point. As I alluded, Liverpool's been here before. A lot of that squad was part of the Champions League winning squad. Yep. You know, City, they have some players that have a propensity for not being there when it matters. Yeah, yeah they're chokers. Sterling, you know, um, they don't have Aguero anymore. They have Jesus. I'm not actually really sold on him. Um, he did ha- he did play well in their match, you know, at Etihad, and um, from a, for a surprise start, I give him that. But a- Jesus's career so far has just not been one where I would be like, I trust this guy in in a in a, in a final game of a really important tournament. Um, and so I think I think there are just the 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 characters. I think the experience and, you know, the uh, kind of the house money that it feels like they're Liverpool's playing with as far as odds when it goes to an extra time. Sure. I'm giving Liverpool the edge. I think Liverpool takes it. All right. Let's see it. I think it's going to come down to the early goal because I think the early goal is going to set the tone and it's going to allow one team to play a much different pace of game than, than the that other it, team. That, See, and you would have thought that though when when City broke through right against Liverpool, but Liverpool, uh, they're strong mentally. They you are. Know? They, they really recovered. Are. They recovered very well, and so um, for sure, they Liverpool. Have I think they is... have an edge. Like I think, I think that's the thing. I think that's why people love Liverpool. Is that or this edition of Liverpool is that their players, like this particular lineup of players, seem to have like this edge of like. We're 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 better, and we're going to show you that we're better. Like even if we're down, right. we're we're going to come out. We're going to show you that we're better. We're going to slap you with 
with the myriad of forwards that we have. We're gonna we're gonna crush you in the midfield. Like I don't know. It's gonna be fun though. Um, hopefully that's the final that we get. That's the final that I would like to see. It's a final I'd like to see too. I, mean, I, I as much as I like, I have a soft spot for Madrid. I mean, they're the team that I follow in La Liga, but yeah, it, you know, well, you're not. We need to see the best. We need. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't take an outside team again. <laughs> that can't be my entire life. But, uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, we got to have the two best teams juke it out, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Just like we did when we we had Liverpool, Tottenham, we need we need the best two teams duke it out. So um, uh, well, well we'll keep it at that. Um, let's move on to the NBA um, round one. I mean, let's first start off with you know the series that's over, it Celtics Nets. You try to make a case last week. Um, very with 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 and struggling. I mean, I don't blame you because it, it is a tough case to make for the Nets when they were down 2 0. It didn't seem like anything was going right for them, and surely enough, nothing changed when they went back to the Barclay Center. Um, it, it, it just seems like the theme of this series, right, was just a Boston Celtics defense. Um, physical, you know, from the schemes, it seemed like they were just. They were just better and comfortably better. I don't. I don't really feel like they were really in danger at any point in the series, and in any given game. Even the last game yesterday. I mean, Jason Tatum goes out in most series. You know, ignore the three zero for a second. If if I see Jason Tatum and I'm a Celtics fan and I see him like getting fouled out with more than two minutes left to go in a close game of fourth quarter, I'm sweating, right? Yeah. But when I saw him go down, I was like, I, it, this doesn't really phase me. It doesn't. and Because and, I don't see how the Nets are going to create the threats. And sure enough, um, the Celtics, you know, comfortably come out of that one. And, and what are your thoughts on the series, man? Uh, I mean, and where did, this, where did the Nets go from here? I think this series is huge for Boston. And their progression. Because we talked about this, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago when it was still regular season ball. And about how I felt like... And and the stats showed that the Celtics were so unclutch. They were the opposite of clutch in the regular season. For the most part. Statistically, they were. Um, But this series kind of gives them a moxie that, that kind of goes otherwise because if you look at the numbers for this one so it was a 4-0 series but the games were very close like the the total game dif- or point differential across the four wins is just 18 points right that's a little over four points a game in terms of how much the celtics won by that's that, that's two possessions for every single game so like they were close games um, for the entire series, despite it being a 4-0, meaning that the Celtics played really clutch in all of the games. Um, in, in fact, they, they won, so they were, I think, within, it, the game was within five points in the last five minutes of all four games, and the Celtics won all of them. By scoring, I think it was like, what, 25 points of 21 clutch offensive possessions or something like that? So, it, 
it seems like kind of maybe the DNA or the moxie of the team has changed a little bit and, and evolved wherein they, they're, they're, they're clutching it out and they're closing out close games um, in the playoffs against two of the maybe the best offensive, you know, basketball players like that we've ever seen. Like they're, they're historically good offensive playmakers and scores, right? In Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. So that's really, really impressive. Um, from from the Celtics' point of view, for the Nets, I mean, so uh, l- l- let's let's talk about it practically. Practically, Kyrie has a player option, which, as far as we're concerned, you know, he intends to he intends to stay with the with the Nets and, and sign that player option. Um, so it sounds like both KD and Kyrie are almost for sure going to still be there. Outside of those two, the Nets have just four other players on contract for the next season. Two of them are rookies who barely saw any play this season. The other two are, one of them is Ben Simmons, who didn't play at all for the rest of the season. And the other one is... Who is it? Harris? Also, who was injury-ridden and didn't play much uh, for the rest of the season. So... Oh, oh, they, they have Seth Curry, too. They have Seth Curry. Um, th- th- those would be, like, the seven players that they would theoretically have. Um, I, I don't know. Like, they have to keep Simmons at this point because they have to run it with him, right? They have to give it a try. They have to give the Simmons-Durant-Kyrie thing a try, whatever that is. Like, I don't, I don't really know what that is, but... It's... It- it's like such like a like a horrible chemistry on paper. Like like I just look at that and I'm like, that is like the last like like if you asked me like four years ago what I would think about a potential trio of that I would have been like, that sounds disgusting. Like get it out of my face. <laughs> like don't like, don't you think that it would be better if you actually just had replaced Kyrie with like CJ McCollum? Or someone who can like I, I, th- I think they should replace Kyrie with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> dude it's just Kyrie, like, like Kyrie's and like has been a net negative to this team in 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 a lot of sense like and the thing is is like he's such a good player when he makes the big shots that it's hard to see that and sometimes you'll like even forget about it and maybe even convince yourself that he's like helping your team but dude ever since he joined this team with Durant they have played like 20% of like the potential games they could have played together. Like in actuality, whether it's because of injury, whether it's because of load management, whether it's because of, you know, not getting the vaccine, like, like whether it's because like saying that you have like some, some mental issues that you got to like work on, like something, you know, something, something in pop culture, like traumatized you and like you couldn't play a game like for, for a myriad of reasons. They have not been able to play together, right? And it's and and the chemistry is not there. It's it's just toxic. It's toxic as hell right now. It really feels like the Brooklyn Nets are kind of like Man United in a sense. It's and Steve Nash, like I don't know why he got the job to begin with, with absolutely no head coaching experience at any level. He just gets gets handed the keys to freaking coach Kevin Durant, and Kyrie. 
and and James Harden, who were who were projected to be NBA championship like contenders, and you just bring on this dude that doesn't have any coaching experience and hoping it works out. Like I don't know what like the Brooklyn Nets. Like man, they they got some weird decisions that management's making. Like it's ever since they traded for those traded to get freaking aging Paul Pierce and KG and just dumping their first round picks like they're the Miami Dolphins. Like, I don't understand what they've been doing like this past decade. Like, they confuse me. It's, they, Joe Sy, owner, general manager Sean Marks, they fucked up. They straight up fucked up. Because, because Frank, the Steve Nash thing is weird because I, I get that he has no experience, like all, all this stuff, right? But okay, just bear with me, like game, like theory wise, theory crafting wise, right? If you had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and you're telling me that you're going to run the old Steve Nash Phoenix Suns offense with those two, I would think that that offense would be great. Like, like hard, I mean, imagine James Harden playing the Steve Nash book. Which is literally just like, okay, you have seven seconds. Either either pass the ball in the post to like KD or or like a center or someone who's gonna who's gonna score in the post or shoot the three. I I would run that offense. Like that that offense sounds pretty good to me. That's kind of what the Rockets actually used to do, right? Like a few years ago with Harden. Um and, and that worked well. They were scoring like 140 points a game. Um, so like I can I can believe that. But then when you add Kyrie to the, 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 the formula, then it gets all fucked up. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't work then, because what role is Kyrie supposed to play in this, in this system, in this, if, if that's the system that you're trying to implement, which I assume you are because you hired Steve Nash, who has no other experience, right? That, that, that's all he knows. Um, so they, they, they just fucked up. They fucked up. And, and then on top of it, they fucked up even more by giving him a player option. They gave him a player option so that he could opt in for another season of ridiculousness and just, like, ass. Like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, they're getting absolutely played. Like, like, uh, like, wait, okay. So, is Kyrie actually just a genius? <laughs> In what way? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he's a genius, but he's definitely just getting what he wants. Yeah, and, and that's why he's a genius. He's actually just a genius. I, I, I think genius is a little bit generous for him. I mean, given, you know, you have to look at the person holistically. And I guess in a lot of sense, maybe not. But, <laughs> but, but not, yeah, he's... That's what I'm saying, Andy. What if he's right? What if he's just a what if this he's just a five head genius and he's been right about everything? Um <sighs> anyway. But I, I think yeah. I, I I I think Steve Nash has gotta go, man. Um they need a coach that can teach um defense because the problem with them, right? Offense isn't a huge issue because you freaking have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You could put in any coach. You could put in Randy Whitman, and like they'll still be good <laughs> offensively. Like, like put in a coach that actually preaches defense and let the individual quality take over. Because it seems like, like with Steve Nash's team, they were just running ISO anyways. So, like, like what was he contributing at this point? 
nothing. Yeah. So just you got to let the guy go. Bring in a defensive-minded coach. Um, yeah, you want Frank Vogel? And honestly... You can have Frank Vogel. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Dude, at this point... I think he's he would defensive work. Minded. I think he would work. I think he would work. Yeah, I think he would yeah. work. Why not? Just don't bring in a guy like Mike D'Antoni because you might just like, oh, do the same thing again. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you bring in Mike D'Antoni, you better be putting your Steve Nash as your point guard, man. <laughs> Bring in, you bring in you bring in Mike D'Antoni. You bring, you bring back Amari Stoudemire. Mike D'Antoni. Every every game they lose one forty to one thirty. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It's gonna be hilarious. It's brutal. Uh, uh, but but let's move on to the other series. Um, very quickly, I think the six the Sixers. We thought you know the series should have been over by now, don't you think? I mean, they're they're kind of slipping up. Uh, well, and James Harden's got a lot to do with it, right? Because you said, you know, he's got, he, he doesn't have to do much, but it doesn't seem like he's even doing that <laughs> right now, which well, is a problem. The, the problem is that Embiid is playing injured. He's playing with the, what, like a, he has a torn thumb lig- ligament. Like he's playing through that shit. Normal Embiid. He is. Nor- yeah, he is. Normal healthy Embiid. If it was normal healthy Embiid, I'm fine with James Harden doing whatever he's doing. Like, it's enough. But, but obviously, you know, when Embiid's hurting and then your other best player is Tyrese Maxey, who is young and never been in a playoff series before, um, like, obviously, you have to be the one as the veteran to, to, to kind of pick up the slack, right? He's only shooting 35% from the field. He's only shooting 29% from three-point range. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of on him to to get the Sixers over the hump here. Um, are they playing right now? Uh, they are not. Um, oh, they, they play tomorrow, not. maybe? They're playing tomorrow. I guess yeah. they play tomorrow. Um, so, yeah. They're playing tomorrow. But that's... Okay, the thing, though... The good thing for the Sixers, though is that that's all they need. All they need is Harden to play, like, a decent amount better than he's been playing, which he's been playing, like, well below Harden standards. All they need is one game from him where he plays to his normal, just his normal level of play. Normal, I don't even need him to elevate. Just play your normal level of basketball, and you should win this game and win the series because you already have three games. And you're going to yeah. come back to Philly. You're going to come back to Philly in, in Game 7 if you lose Game 6. So, you should have got two bullets, right? Yeah. They yeah they, you got two bullets. You only have to hit once. And it's... We think, in theory, it should be a pretty big target to hit. <laughs> for, for Harden to mail in a somewhat below average game by his standards. The only um, thing that I will say is that... <clears throat> okay, listen to this stat. Over the last three games of the series, the Raptors have been leading for 93% of the time. Over the last three games. That's crazy. That's rough. That's crazy. That, um, that is rough. And so, and the the Raptors remind you, in game three, they had a 17-point a 17-point lead, which they blew. And, and that, that was the overtime game, right? Um, 
I mean, yeah, had, that, that was the game when, yeah, Embiid, I think, went nuts, right? Yeah, if they had won that game, then this series would be flipped on its head, right? It'd be 3 2 the other way. And we would be saying, right. We would be saying, oh my gosh, the Raptors are actually going to move on. <laughs> I mean, even now you could argue, I mean, if, this, if the injury for Embiid, you know, like continues to be an ailment for him. Who knows? You know, and how reliable is Harden? Yeah. It, it's a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah, we, it's a legitimate question that we should be asking. We, we don't know. We don't and know. once again, once again, we're lucky that the road game's in Toronto and it's not, you know. Yeah. Somewhere more exciting. We're not, we're, we're not, it, 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 it's not, it's not the Sixers going up against Atlanta or it's not the Sixers going up against Miami. Miami, yeah. Um, but well, speaking we'll of Miami. Yeah. Speaking of Miami. My Lord. Pretty, pretty nice performance without Kyle Lowry, without Jimmy Butler closing out the series against the Hawks. And I mean, it's the Hawks, you know, nothing, you know, to, you know, call the presses about, but. You did it off the back of an Oladipo performance. And what is really the ceiling with these guys, you know? Because uh, Butler, I think, should be back. It's not something serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kyle Lowry, I believe, as well, right? I think. When is he coming back? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but... It's a hamstring strain, so it's like I be- I'd imagine that like he's probably gonna be back for the next series. Well, it depends um, on how what the kind of strain it is, but yeah, 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 mostly like you know with hamstring strain. But it I mean, should be like they'll find to- a way to play through it. It should be know? ten to fourteen days, probably. If my guess would be, yeah, and and they're still waiting right for yeah. the other series to finish. Exactly. Right? So, yeah, yeah. So, so next, they got next, some time. If, if not the start of the next series, like game two or game three of the next series. Right, so I, I, Miami Heat on full strength, you know, on paper should be a very, very, very tough out. You know, again with the Sixers, I don't, I, I don't think the Sixers. I, I didn't think that they were gonna make it out against Miami. You know, when they were up three zero, I definitely, sure as hell, am not. You know, any more confident than I was before about the Sixers getting out against Miami, and you know, we'll, we'll have to see, but. I think that's that's shaping up to be a pretty tough fight. And finally, this hot might... off the presses. Oh, my Lord. Hot off the presses, the Bucks eliminate the Bulls. So we know what the second round matchup is going to be. Bucks versus Celtics, man. Um, you got to think the Celtics are going to obliterate them, right? I mean, that's what I think. I think Giannis gets you one game. Giannis gets you one game, but I think they're taking it. Gentlemen, sweet. I mean, I don't know. It, it's I mean, so I think it looks a lot different if Middleton is back. If Middleton is back, I think it looks a lot different because. It, so when Middleton's out, your one, two, three options are like Giannis, Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen. I guess. Yeah, not that hot. Yeah. God, I hate Grace Dallas so much. <laughs> I hate that guy so much. Okay, anyway. Um, I won't go on a tirade. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's Bobby Portis. I don't know. Maybe it's Bobby Portis. I'd rather give it to Grace now. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but 
I mean, that's what we're saying, though, right? Which is, which sounds a lot, like, a significantly worse than a 1-2-3 of Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday. Like, when Drew Holiday's your third option, you feel a lot better about your overall team than when he's your second. Luckily, he shouldn't even be your third option, but if you're, if Giannis is your one, you can slide. Yeah, right, right. You, you can, can work with that. You can work with that. Yeah. Um... So I think a lot of it will depend on that. It, without Milton, I think you're probably right that that the Celtics should have no problem kind of beating and crushing them. Um, especially if they can come up with a way to really be physical against Giannis um, defensively, because that's how they won against the Nets, right? They did a super. They did a really really good job of playing defense against Kevin Durant, namely Jason Tatum. Um, Giannis is going to be a different beast. Giannis is not Giannis is much better and a much more formidable opponent in the post than Kevin Durant is. Um and, and so it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a kind of a different challenge for Jason Tatum or whoever it is who ends up, you know, uh, posting up against him um on the on the defensive side. And it I think it'll come down to that, right? Um, it'll come down to, if they can, in the same way that they stifled KD in that series, can stifle Giannis, then the, the Bucks are a one-trick pony, and they just need to stop that one pony, and, and, and it should be, it should be pretty clean. Yeah, I, I think, I think Giannis will get him game three, the first game at home in Miami, or, or in Milwaukee, excuse me, but I think, and I think the defending, it's gonna be and and this is just the consequence of the Celtics having luxuries when it comes to the defensive end because everybody in their starting lineup is very competent when it comes to defense yeah they can share the load it doesn't have to always be Tatum it can be Brown you know um they're not going to stop Giannis but in, in in a group effort they can slow him down and probably get him pretty fatigued I think in a, it starting like you know, I, and I think in game four away, I think they're gonna fall, and so I think it's gonna be a dub dub loss, dub dub, and four zero just four one, you know, it's gonna be a wrap. Yeah, because the Celtics are gonna give Giannis way too much trouble on defensive. Everybody in that lineup, um, they're gonna be, they might even double him at some point. I don't know. Like it's something to look out for, um, because they just have nobody, especially if Middleton's not playing. So yep. I don't know if Giannis is going to be able to handle that kind of pressure for that many games every single night. And so they might, he might, you know, get him game three, right? Um, off of an amazing performance, but, you know, he's going to come back game four or five. He's, I think, going to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not going to be easy. I think it's going to be, it's going to be out. Um, moving on to the Western Conference, man. Let's start off with Ja Morant, dude. With, with probably dunk of the year and top it off with Disgusting. an insane clutch basket. Oh, my Lord. It, it, and, and it really shut up all the guys who were like saying, most improved players got to go to Jordan Poole. No, no, no. Like, he really shut him up because that and that dunk. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord. That was like... That's like a that's like a dunk that you think about like in your dreams. You know what I mean? Oh my like, lord! It, such a clean poster. Um, and it sounds like the Timberwolves are back in the hole. Um, 
Do you think that they still got a shot at this one? I think they do. Um, I think they do. Like, the fact is that the the Wolves have been losing games in this series because they're blowing leads. Um, which, you know, it proves that they can obviously develop a lead against the Grizzlies. Um in a pretty consistent fashion because that's what they're doing like almost every single game. Um, it's just a matter of holding on to that lead. And so, you know, if, if they can do that, which they should be able to because I, I said this at the very beginning of the playoffs, uh, they're kind of brand of basketball is similar to the Grizzlies. They're grinders. They're like outworkers. They're, you know, they're hustlers. Like that, that's what they are. Um, and so it's, at least in my mind, there are they are the kind of team that can, should be able to grind out games, um, especially if they can come out to an early lead like they have been in like almost every single game in the series. Um, so I think they they still have a chance. I think the bigger story here is, well, I, okay, so two things. I think for either team, whatever the result ends up being, I don't think they're real title contenders. So I think they, they just want to take every game that they can get in the playoffs for experience for their young players, right? Um, and really, the, the greatest benefit of winning this series is going, to have, is going to be getting at least another four games of playoff basketball for your young players' development. Like, that's going to be the biggest reward for winning this series for, for either one of these teams. Um, and, and along those lines, I want to... Like, I think the biggest narrative here is... My lord, the the rivalry that is developing between John Morant and Ant Edwards. Oh, man, I'm so hyped for it, man. Like, to see two young players, two young guards, like, who are just so incredibly good. Like, they're both just, like, ridiculously super, like, elite superstar level good. Uh, developing a rivalry in the playoffs. Oh man, like I, I I'm excited for that. I'm excited to watch that for the next five years. Yeah, dude. Um, John Moran is he? He's really developed into something special, and and of course, like you know, the the most improved player award speaks to that. But he's in some ways, you know, he's kind of become what you know the Jazz would have wanted Donovan Mitchell to become. Mm -hmm. I think. You know, a guy who actually steps up in the big moments. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, John Morant just freaking stole that stage last night. Um, clearly the best player on the court, I think, at least for that game. And oh my gosh, like just so, so impressive. Because when I first saw him, like, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't really think that he would become this good. I think he was going to be one of those guys that, you know, just has like a solid career. Um, because... Uh, like, his athleticism was great, but mm -hmm. he wasn't, like, an amazing shot maker. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't, like, you know, the best athlete that we've ever seen. I mean, he's a great athlete, but he's not the best that we've ever seen, right? Yeah. But He's not the air it, it definitely seems like... Yeah, like, it, it definitely, yeah. I think in, in a similar vein, just a real, like, an athletic guard who isn't, like, really particularly, like, the best at, like, a single thing that they do that I've ever seen. Maybe De'Aaron Fox was actually, like like, on the pace... Pace wise, like he is he he was He's probably ridiculous. one of the fastest guards yeah. that that we've seen. Yeah. But John Morant, you know, he 
he was kind of like a solid, like had solid tools in, in most departments. Um, but you know, wasn't the best playmaker. I mean, still isn't really like he, that's probably an aspect of the game that you can still improve it. But yeah, for sure, um, he's just a ball. Yeah, he's definitely taking his. Yeah, he's and just, he's a just really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's channeled that athleticism, and now he's like actually converting plays based on it, finishing um, with contact, Woo! and so and, and finishing contact. I mean, that's how he got his uh, the game winning shot. But yeah. I, I think he's really become. A, a totally different level um, of a player, and um, he's going to be really fun to watch uh, for the future. Um, but the Jazz, man, you were saying that you wanted them to get swept. Uh, they're hanging on. I mean, it's such a Jazz thing to do, right? I mean, just just put up the best insufficient performance. That I, they hate, could I hate possibly. it so much. I hate it so much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not going away, and I mean, dude, like, if they come out, like, winning the series, like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, because, like, let's face it, the Mavs, like, they probably shouldn't have beaten the Jazz if the Jazz were playing the way that they we know that they should be playing. And so, I mean, for that reason, you know, I can see the Jazz still coming out on top on that one. Man, if... No, they need to lose. I'm sorry. They 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 really need to lose. They might need to lose. They might need to lose. But I'm just saying the reality is is that like there's a very high chance they just come out on top because like the Mavs really aren't anything special, right? Yeah, they're not. They're uh, also a one trick pony. His name's Luka Doncic. Uh, exactly. But I mean, I believe that Luka will will finish this out. Because Luca is so much just better than Donovan Mitchell, who, by the way, is he is shooting in his last thirty three point attempts, he's made three. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh God! Yeah, all in the playoffs. Ooh. Isn't that disgusting? Oh gosh, it's it, so cold. I need to get a blanket, dude. Uh, yeah, dude, Holy it's crap. It's absolutely disgusting. Like they, yeah, they, um... they, 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 they need to shut it down. They, they, <laughs> they need to shut it down. They, they need to restart. This ain't it. I'm sorry. This ain't... they need to ship Donovan Mitchell while he's got value, man. Because this, uh, his, 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 his style of play is it. It's aging worse and worse. I think. Oh, yeah. Um. They they got to get something out of him. While he's got value, I think, yeah, this summer is the time to, you know, pull the trigger on that for sure. Um, Disgusting. And the Warriors and Nuggets, um, Warriors are still up. I mean, I don't really have much to add to it. I think, you know, Nuggets scraped a game, right? Nuggets scraped a game, really, but the Warriors are not in any danger. They, they scraped an unlikely game. You got, when you, when yeah. you get 75 plus points out of your three slash brothers, you shouldn't be losing that game. Like the Nuggets just played a really, really, really good game where they shot well and they scored just enough points. Like, and, and mind you, this is 75 plus points from the three slash brothers when the youngest one scored just what did he score 11 or something 11 or 12 um and so i i don't know it, like unless unless he just keeps unless jordan Poole just keeps playing like that 
and just keeps being a 12.11 point scorer, which I don't think he will be. I think he'll be back up there, like, towards 20. Um, the Warriors should move on pretty easily here. Yeah, and interestingly, Steph Curry is starting in this one. Game five? Um, he is starting this one. Nice, so, I nice. Mean, That's Curry's like, Curry's like, yeah. Curry's like, you know, we're not screwing around anymore. <laughs> Let's take this. <laughs> we, well, we, we're... Uh, we're 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 shutting this party down uh, and, tonight. And it makes uh, sense. Like I'm excited to see it because you know for that lineup, the the statistics for that lineup are are insane. Um, they that lineup. So the lineup: Steph Curry. I'm assuming it's going to be Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, uh, Jordan Poole. Oh well, actually, maybe it's not. Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. Right, right. So like that's the five that I'm thinking. So if, if it's that five yep. that start. Classic small ball. Um, so that lineup has 32 minutes in the in the playoffs so far, uh, plus minus 26. Their field goal percentage is 63.6. Oh their, their, god! Their three point percentage is 54 percent. That is insane. I know. This is disgusting. I know. So I'm excited to see them. And start. Dude, 20 26 minutes is like. That's that's not like a that's not like a troll like amount of yeah yeah, like, yeah it's like a it's a decent that's, amount. A, that's like half a game dude yeah it's yeah, a yeah. half game exactly it's like it's that's like what insane. you would expect from a rotation across two games or something um so like well I mean so far so far it's it's a 20, 27, 23 game as we speak you know it doesn't sound like they're crushing it um I I I, I think I think that will change that's definitely gonna change. Uh, man and um i mean do we need to talk about the suns and the uh pelicans i think the suns are gonna take it right the pelicans really needed to win both games at home yep while booker was out they kind of missed that window and i mean props to them they still kind of took a game but they're down three two i think it's yeah I i think the I think I think their it's time road for them. comes to an end here. Yeah, yeah, I think it's time for them to go home. And you know, it's been a good run. And I think the the biggest thing that they've gotten from the series is they showed Zion Williamson that they have a really good team. And if Zion can get in there and integrate himself into the lineup, this team can be a force. Like, a la like the Grizzlies, uh, they can be a force next season. And the West will be yeah I- yeah. I think I think that's like a good like you know realistic goal is like to have like you know success to the level magnitude of the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. You know they'll be right there. Mm-hmm. I think that's very realistic of a goal. You know if you get, if you put Zion back into the mix, yeah. maybe even better. Yeah. Um, but you know they're not going to be like I think you know contending for a title anytime soon. Obviously, but you know they got pieces just like the Grizzlies do. I mean right, they got pieces right. and. Like it, it, young it, pieces, the, those three teams should be replacing. Like, so in the West, we in the it, for the last like five years or so, right? We've had like the um, it's been the the Jazz and the and the Nuggets have like always been up there, right? And like around like four or five or something like that. I think what two of those three teams of New Orleans, uh, Minnesota, and uh, Memphis like should kind of replace those two teams, like they, they should take over those two teams. Yep. Yep. All right, man. Um, we can move on to the NFL draft, I guess, now. Oh, man. Let's talk about it, man. Um, it's 
you know, we were just talking about it briefly before the uh, before the recording, but it's it, it's it's a it's a tough draft for like a noob like me to like <laughs> wrap my head around, right? Yeah. You know, I, I you know I, I'm definitely you know a I would say I'm a very basic consumer of football in general. Like you know, know the rules, get hyped, know the big players, you know, and but not not a you know an analyst by any sense, sure. right? To the level of, that I am with basketball or baseball or even soccer, um, but based on what I hear, right about this draft, I think the big takeaway is that like you know quarterbacks not as deep as last year. And so now you kind of have to look at what are your next most important positions, you know, edge rush, right? Which this draft seems to have plenty of, but no one's still a standout perfect candidate for that first overall pick. Yep. Um, that's how I understand it. But um, what, what, what's your take on it? So, yeah, like you said, we, we were talking about this briefly. I think... That's the biggest thing. It's it, typically when you when you look at a draft and okay, well, okay. Let, let me start here. Let me start here by by first delineating between a mock draft and scouting because they're two different things that are often during this time of the season or the off season conflated with each other because people like kind of equate scouting to putting together a mock draft, which those two things are very very different. Scouting is evaluating each player and where you think that that player can be um, in their in, in the NFL and what kind of career they could have in the NFL. A mock draft is taking what you know from GMs, people who are actually in the teams who are making the decisions, taking that kind of information, piecing together the puzzle to to kind of complete this. It's like a crossword of of prospects um, in a format that is picks one through thirty two in the first round. Um, so there are two very very different things, and which is why like I want to kind of first level set by delineating the two. Like just because you scout one way does not mean that your mock draft is going to look like that at all, because your evaluation of the players could be very different from the teams who are and the people who are actually the ones who are picking the players for and which is going to be the, the mock draft right um so so that's the first thing in, in terms of like how this draft feels and and like why i want to say that is that it, typically when you're putting together like a, a big board which is your evaluation of your of your prospects um like there's there are two things that you have to consider right you have to consider the overall quality of each player but then also the weight of the position right so like obviously qbs are going to be a lot more important and carry a lot more weight than a safety and you'd much rather have a high-end qb than a high-end safety uh that's the way it is because of the the relative value of the of the positions and and typically because qb is so highly rated and so highly uh uh like wanted and needed in the nfl if there is a like a, a sure hit QB, then everything in the draft revolves around that player or those players. Um, that's happened. That happens like almost every draft. This draft is weird because the that QB that does does not exist. The QB that you have to take number one because 
any QB needing team is going to trade up to number one to take him, that QB does not exist in this draft. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a, T, a, a QB go off the board till the very end of the first round. Like, that would not surprise me at all because the, the QB talent just isn't that good um, in this draft, which makes the, the, the prediction of how the picks are going to go a lot harder because that's one less, like, anchor point that you have to kind of warp your, your, your draft board um, around. Then the second issue is, okay, so then let's say there, there's no, like, sure QB. Surely there's, like, some other player that, like, you must have in the past, like, in the past, it would have been, like, Miles Garrett, or, um, I don't know, like, even, even a talent like Kyle Pitts, like, someone that you can't pass up, like, these kind of, these kind Mac, of yeah. yeah, these kind of level of players, um, would typically act as anchors, again, for you to form your mock draft around. Again, does not exist. Um, like, <laughs> the first pick is tomorrow. We're less than 24 hours away from the first pick, of the the nfl draft happening and frankly i have no idea who's gonna go first like there could be one two three four like there could be four different players going first overall and they're all probably equally as likely to go first overall and the, the worst thing is depending on who that is right it could be any one of those four players then it like it changes how the, the rest of your top 10 like ends up being and then that further impacts the rest of your 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 draft so it's it's a really it's a really really weird draft um i'm highly confused i have no idea how it's going to turn out i i have my thoughts but i don't know i don't it's it's a weird draft it's a very weird draft so uh so yeah like uh, the the names i'm hearing right uh, like the four names, I assume one of them's Aiden Hutchinson, one of them's Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. one of them's Thibodeau. Um, so, so a lot of you know pass rush, right? Mm-hmm. And so, is that is that a need that a team like Jacksonville, you know, who's picking first, you know, th- something that they would have like to have on their team it does seem like it right based on their games because they got a quarterback for the future and so for them it sounds like this kind of draft is probably you know they're probably happy that it's a it's a draft that has a lot of talent you know available to them right yeah it's, at, it's at a position of need yeah a hundred percent like edge is something that they would love to have um they would every team any team um would love to have an elite pass rusher um and I think, so, for even just a week ago, Aiden Hutchison was, you know, the consensus, if you will, uh, quote-unquote, uh, pick for Jacksonville at number one. Then, there started becoming a, a lot of rumors about, you know, it could, be, it could become Trayvon Walker. And then, suddenly, over the last few days, it became more and more likely that it's going to be Trayvon Walker based on what people are hearing across the league and based on, so their GM is Trent Balke, um, who used to be the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. And he has history of really liking uh, like more athletic uh, specimen type of edge players. Um, he drafted Justin Smith and Alvin Smith when he was with the Niners um, pretty up high. And, and 
people think that Trayvon Walker more so fits that build, which if if we're being honest, like if we're being having an honest evaluation, Aiden Hutchinson is probably a slightly less of an athlete, but like he's ex- still extremely athletic. Like he is by no slouch, not a specimen. Like he is a specimen for sure. Um, and in any case, um, so then then it became Trayvon Walker, and then in the last like day or two. <laughs> there's like even more conversation now about so that's the gm's pick right the head co- so they have a new head coach doug peterson um uh, from the philadelphia eagles he's an offensive minded head coach and the eagles how he built that team or he didn't build it how he ran that team is with a huge offensive line uh, and, and he just like and the the offensive uh the mojo was we're just going to we're going to destroy you with our offensive line that's massive and bigger and stronger than all of you. So, so then they're like, okay, well, we think people are again hearing things, quote unquote, across the league of, we think Doug Peterson may have kind of, you know, won the internal conversation and they might be going off into tackle now, which then <laughs> changes the equation again. Um, so that, so for me right now, it's between four players. It's between um, at edge, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker. I do not think it's going to be Kayvon Thibodeau. We, we can talk about Thibodeau in a sec, but I don't, I do not. I would almost guarantee. No, you know what? I'm just going to guarantee right now. I'm going to guarantee it's not going to be Thibodeau. Um, and then offensive tackle, Ikki Aquanu, NC State, or Evan Neal, Alabama. Um, my current guess is Ikki Aquanu. Based on interesting, based on Doug Peterson getting what he wants as the new head coach, which, if I'm honest, I like if I was the owner of the team, I would probably lean towards giving your new head coach that you just got, and because you just had a, drafted a QB in the first round and a running back in the first round last year to give him like what he needs on the offense, like that's what I would lean towards if I was the owner. Um, so anyway, so based on those conversations, I think it's going to be Iki Aquanu. Um, he fits the bill of what Doug Peterson would want. Like he's a big, bruising, extremely violent offensive tackle with, with position versatility, um, that maybe Evan Neal doesn't have necessarily. Um, and so that's my first pick for, for Jacksonville right now. But like I said, it could be any one of the four. It really could. Interesting. I mean, how often does does an, does does a lineman on the offensive end get drafted first overall? Is that because it isn't the highest? You know, it, it is a high need position, but it isn't the highest, right? It's not a quarterback. It's not an edge rusher. I mean, that's got to be a little bit less common, right? Than would you? see for sure yeah it's definitely less common in in i'd say like the the modern era man it's weird to say modern era um in in recent times i will say um in recent times definitely like qb edge have pretty much dominated that but it's not unprecedented by any means like if 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 there's no edge in qb then it's going to be it's going to be a tackle because that's your that's your third most important position on the field. Um, that that's that's the 
after edge and, and QB, that's what I would consider to be the, the next most important position on the field. And so it, from that perspective, it makes sense. And, you know, it, it hasn't happened a lot in, in recent drafts, but uh, prior to that, like early 2000s, um, and before that, it wouldn't be so uncommon that you would see an offensive tackle or multiple offensive tackles go early in the top five. Gotcha. Um, one more thing that I wanted to talk about is the the wide receiver position is another position that people think is, once again, deeper than usual, but still kind of like with the edge rush, no consensus best player. Um, how do you see that position uh, shaking out? So wide receiver is a little weird because as far as I understand, there is kind of a consensus best player, Jamison Williams, Alabama. But the problem is that he tore his ACL in the championship game. Right. That's, right. That's so everybody's kind of got a caveat. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, so it's just like, well, then then what is it like? He's not- is it Traylon Burks, right? But he doesn't play on an elite team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got the two uh, receivers from Ohio State, but like, you know, who have kind of compromised numbers because they're both really good receivers that play for the same team. Mm-hmm. And so kind of hard to gauge the numbers, right? Yeah, it's it's really weird. Like, I think I think the top five wide receivers are pretty clear. I think it's, it's going to be Jamison Williams um the two ohio state kids garrett wilson chris olave uh Traylon burst from arkansas and then uh the last one's drake london out of usc who is also being rated really high and could even go top 10. um so those are the kind of five top five i would say are that are pretty consensus and the interesting is that they they kind of give different uh they're different kind of types of receivers uh, i say um Jameson Williams, I think, is, in my opinion, and I think most people's opinion, the the a most well-rounded and just best overall wide receiver. I think he's fast. Uh, he's not small. He can play bigger if he needs to. He can. He has really good route running, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on. Um, which is why he's still being considered in the top ten, top fifteen, despite having torn an ACL. Just like what? When was that? A month ago? Two months ago? A few months ago? I think I think in the championship game, right? Yeah, in the cha- yeah. in the championship game. So not not that long ago, right? <clears throat> Despite that, he's still being considered a top ten, top fifteen pick. That's how that's how good right. he is, talented wise. Um, I mean, then, it says a lot that even like with an ACL injury, he's in the running, right? I exactly. mean, that says a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that that's just how good he is. Um, and then you have Drake London out of USC, who is kind of a slower but bigger physical receiver, who is. Uh, pretty smooth in his route running and he kind of reminds you of like deandre hopkins um who he's not going to win you with his speed but he's going to win all the 50 50 balls like all the 50 50 balls become 90 10 balls for him um and you know if you have a quarterback who maybe struggles with accuracy a little bit or uh you know just needs like a safety blanket who he can like pretty uh constantly um throw to consistently and get a consistent reception out of like Drake London would be your guy who can be like a DeAndre Hopkins, uh, which is why he's being rated so high. Then you have the two Ohio state kids who are just like speed burners. Like they're just both really, really fast um, wide receivers. And so they kind of fit that prototype. 
And then lastly, you have Traylon Burks, who is kind of like your, um, he's like your toolkit player, if you will. He's like, uh, he can be used in a lot of different ways in, in ways that is outside like a, of a typical uh, prototype wide receiver. Like you can put him on, on speed sweeps and reverses and, and a bunch of other like random stuff that you could do with him. But he's not necessarily elite in all like in the different ways that the other players right the other wide receivers are so he like he's probably like a little less than in all of the areas that these other players are elite in but he's like really great in like a bunch of areas and can be kind of used in a in a lot of different ways but you probably need the right coach the right offense um to to utilize him utilize him well um so those are like the top five wide receivers you and it's weird you could see someone going in the top 10 i i'm projecting that at least one goes in the top 10 um but it, again it wouldn't surprise me if none of them get drafted in the top 10 but you see five go in the first round in the first round like i would expect to see right. at least five wide receivers to go in the first round um i'm trying to think if i'm missing anyone no, at least five, I think, which should go in the first round. For at least for me. And so and another, you know, thing that I read is that like, you know, with COVID, you know, a lot of these players taking extended years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Chris Olave is an interesting one, right? Because he is a senior and senior receivers, you know, apparently they don't do very well. Um historically, you know, they're not they don't pan out. Yep. A lot of a lot of great wide receivers we know. They don't come out a senior year. They usually come out junior year, sophomore year, right? Yep. And, but he's an interesting example because he's a senior, and which might be discouraging. But there was also COVID, which like tanked like basically a year off of his like college career, right? So, yep. you know how how but and that got me thinking like in general, how are teams going to be approaching you know COVID? And, you know, appraising players based on the fact that most players, you know, basically just lost a year, right? Yeah, and that's why, again, the the evaluation of this draft is weird. And, and we can get into, like, two specific examples of this kind of hurting some players. So, like, we, I mentioned the first one is Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Um, if you asked anyone a year ago from this date... Um, Who's going first overall? Who's the favorite to go? Everyone would have said Kayvon Thibodeau. Every single person would have said Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, well, maybe other than, like, maybe one person saying, like, Matt Corral, QB. Um, but, like, Thibodeau was the consensus number one overall player just a year ago. Um, and then, you know, he played the season, and the play, it, it just wasn't that good. And, frankly, the play before you know, wasn't, like, amazing either. There's just a lot of hype on Kayvon Thibodeau because he was, like, the number one recruit uh, out of his high school class. And then after that, he had a lot of sacks at Oregon, and um, he got, like, super hyped to be number one overall. And then everyone watched this season, um, and it really hurt him because if he had been in the draft last year, maybe he wouldn't have gone first overall, but there's there's a pretty good chance that he would have gone in the top five, right? Um, this year, I'm going to say he falls out of the top five. I still haven't mocked in my top 10, 
But it wouldn't surprise me if he goes, if he falls out of the top 20, to be frank. Um, like that, it wouldn't be shocking to me. I'll, I'll put it that way. I'll put it that way. Like, it wouldn't be shocking to me if he falls out of the top 15, the top 20. Um, so that extra year of whatever really hurt Thibodeau. Another guy, Derek Stingley Jr. Um, again, same thing with him. A year ago, if you asked anyone who was the best defensive back in this class, it would have been Derek Stingley Jr., no questions asked whatsoever. Everyone would have told you that he is a generational talent, that he is a must-have prospect, and he's like a top three player in this draft. Um, problem with Derek Stingley Jr. is that his, his best year was his freshman year in 2019 season. Yeah, the Joe Burrow season. It's when Joe Burrow and LSU won. Um, the national championship. That was his best year where he looked like a god quarterback. Problem is, at that at that time, um, you couldn't declare for the draft after your freshman year. And so then he went to a sophomore year. Then he got injured. And then 2020 happened. That was COVID, right? And then the next year happened. He got injured again. And he played like shit for... Well, okay, shit is maybe kind of a strong, a strong word. But he played a lot worse over the last two years. And his draft stock is is no longer where it was. Like, again, this guy, he was projected a year ago to be a top three player, a top five pick, like, at the very least. Again, I would not be surprised if he falls out of the top 20 picks. I think someone will probably take a flyer on him earlier than that. But if I were a GM and I was on, like, I was at number 10 or number 12 or whatever, right? Uh and Derek Stingley was on the board, I would be, I would be scared to pull the trigger. I would be like, this guy had played really good his freshman year and hasn't played good football for three years. Like, do I want to take this guy who hasn't played good football for three years? I, 12th overall? I don't know. Like, that's not something that I would be comfortable with doing. Of course, I'm not a football GM, so I can't really speak for them. But I'm just saying... Um, it wouldn't shock me if, like, those kind of guys fall out. But here's the weird thing. The weird, the weirdest thing is that those players, Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stingley in particular, depending on where they go, can also drastically alter how the draft shakes out, right? Because right. they could be anywhere from top five to 25. And so depending on where they land, the draft could again, look very different. So they're kind of like the, the wild cards of the draft, if you will. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I guess before we end then, do you want to quickly go over your uh, top 10, your mock draft? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do my top 10 here. So um, number one, Jacksonville Jaguars, I already said, Iki Kwanu, NC State, offensive tackle. It, probably the highest upside and the most versatile offensive tackle in this draft. Um, it'd be between him and like Evan Neal if they're going to take an offensive tackle. And to do the comparison, Evan Neal is probably the safer prospect. And frankly, I think he's the more like ready right now. Um, because man, Evan Neal, Alabama, this guy was a beast. Like in the national championship game, we're talking about Trayvon Walker going first overall. This guy was blocking Trayvon Walker, no problem. Like, Trayvon Walker was not getting anywhere past. In 6'8? 
Yeah. Six, eight, Monster. three, thirty-seven. Absolute oh my Like there was God. no chance that Trayvon Walker was even getting past this guy, and we're talking about Trayvon Walker as a potential first overall pick. That's how good Evan Thiel is. But I think that Ike Iquanu more so fits the bill of what Doug Peterson would be looking for specifically and an offensive tackle, which is why I'm going with Ike number one, which then pushes to number two to the Detroit Lions. Now they have an option of picking between Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the first pick already is like having a trickle effect already into the second pick. God damn it. Um, I'm going to give them Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. I think I, I just think it's, it's just too perfect of a fit, right? Aiden Hutchinson grew up in Michigan. He went to school right. in Michigan, and now he has an opportunity to play for the Detroit Lions. It, it's just too perfect. And and he's a really great prospect on top of it, right? It's not just the narrative. It's the narrative is just like the, the icing on the cherry on top, right? Um, he, right. He's a really, really right. good player. He's just as good of an athlete as Trayvon Walker. Like, maybe a tiny bit less, though. But if you look at... So everyone talks about Trayvon Walker's 40 time as the measure of, oh my god, he's a beast because he's 270 pounds and he ran like a 4-5-1. Which, by the way, is like a running back speed in the NFL. Like, your average running back in the NFL is probably running 4-5. And Trayvon Walker, 270 pounds, is running 4-5. Uh, that's disgusting. Um, that is. Yeah. <laughs> no, his his physicals were like, I think that's why he's getting Yeah, that's why he's getting so high. So much, right? He's 98th percentile everywhere. In like every single category right. possible. But Aiden Hutchinson, if you look at him, he has a slower 40 time. But when you're an edge rusher, how often are you running fucking 40 yards straight down the field in a straight line? You're really, really... No, the explosiveness is more Exactly. So if you look at the 10-yard split, which is how long it takes you to accelerate to the 10-yard mark in your 40-yard dash, Aiden Hutchinson, just as fast as Trayvon Walker. So explosiveness, right on there with him. If you look at his three-cone time, which kind of is a measure of, like, short area speed and agility, Aiden Hutchinson, I think it was, like, 6'8", or something, which, by the way, is, like, like elite wide receiver cornerback level of of agility. Freak. He's a freak. And, and notably better than Trayvon Walker. So Aiden Hutchinson is by no means a slouch in the athleticism department. He there's I have no problem with him going over Trayvon Walker. Which then if you go to number three, the Houston Texans, now they have a huge dilemma. Evan Neal, Trayvon Walker? Like where 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 do you go here? I gave them Trayvon Walker because they they technically have a they have a left tackle already uh, in Laramie Tensel that they that they traded for uh, who is really really good um, and when you have and they don't have an pressure they have nothing on that defensive line that can provide any pressure at all they need someone Trayvon Walker is an extremely versatile product he's more versatile than Agent Hutchinson which is. Something that you can say, like, he can drop back into coverage, he can play wide, he can play it in. Um, he can. He has a lot of positional versatility, he's an athletic monster like we already just talked about. I think I have to give him Trayvon Walker here. Then you move on to the Jets at number four. Now they have a choice. Evan Neal, who's still on the board somehow. And then Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, quarterback out of Cincinnati, who is after Derek Stingley fell, became the consensus number one cornerback, defensive back in this draft. Um, his name's Sauce, man. 
or his nickname is Sauce. Like that's badass. Like I imagine, imagine the New York Jets fans going Sauce. Like <laughs> it's, it's just perfect. Um, and they 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 do have um decent ta- they have decent decent offensive line already. Um, in New York, which is why I'm going to give them where a lot of people are mocking Sauce Gardner, cornerback, despite Evan Neal still being on the board, um, to the New York Jets. To be frank about this, this is just, I'm mocking him there because of what I'm hearing and reading, not because of what I would evaluate this to, like, is the best pick here. Because to take a corner top four, that corner had better be, like, goddamn good and i'm talking jalen ramsey level good jalen ramsey like as in generational cornerback talent will undoubtedly go in the hall of fame sort of player i don't think sauce gardner sauce gardner is a really good player don't get me wrong is he jalen ramsey i don't think so i don't think he's jalen ramsey i think he's i think he's a notch below jalen ramsey which would put him outside of the top 10 for me personally um but I don't know. Like he's the top cornerback in yeah, the draft. Yeah, just just not a, just not a high need position, right? Most of the time, it's kind of like wide receiver, right? It's yeah, not, it's like it's just know. not the most impactful position on the field. And so, if you're going to go top five at a position like that, you better be a surefire Hall Hall of Famer, right? Like Jalen Ramsey. Anyway, um, so Ahmad Gardner there, number four. Then at number five, finally with the New York Giants, they'll take Evan Neal, Alabama off the board is a position of great need for them and they somehow got the best offensive tackle in the draft at number five i don't i don't think they would hesitate to to take him there um then at number six you have the carolina panthers who have a lot of options here their biggest need is qb but again like i said i don't think any of the qbs are in the top 10. i don't think any of the qbs are going in the top 20. um they're just not good enough and i wouldn't feel good about taking any of them there so I gave them in uh, there. They could go two ways. They could either go edge rusher here or they could go offensive tackle. I think it'll come down to who they have a higher grade on. Um, my, but so I think based on what I understand of like the team um, and what they would want, I'm giving them Charles Cross, offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. He is kind of consensus number three offensive tackle here. He's gotten a lot of hype actually over the last like couple of weeks. So much so that like some people even have him going over Evan Neal. Um, some people, I don't, yeah. So, so he's gotten a lot of hype. He's a really, really good player who um, is maybe the best like, uh, like both pass rusher and um, rush blocker in in the draft. So. In any case, I'll give him Charles Cross there at number six to the Carolina Panthers. New York Giants back on the board at number seven. Um, I am mocking them. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. First wide receiver off the board for me. Okay. Not Jamison Williams. So the reason I'm giving them a wide receiver here is there's been talk in the last couple of weeks about them wanting to trade away Kadarius Toney, who is... They're kind of young wide receiver who played pretty well actually for them last year. So it was kind of a surprise that they wanted to, to uh, trade him away. But I think they, they feel like they still have a need at wide receiver and Garrett Wilson. Um, if you combine everything, like both player evaluation and health evaluation, 
is probably going is the first wide receiver going off of most boards. Um, and so that's why I'm mocking them Garrett Wilson. Um, he's just a super fast player. Like he ran four, three, six, I want to say, which is just ridiculous and blazing fast. Um, he's a little smaller, but he doesn't play small. Um, my personal evaluation of him isn't that high, frankly, because as fast as he is, I didn't see him play that fast at Ohio State. And I, like, if you're that fast and if you're that athletic, when you have the ball in your hands, you should be making more plays than Garrett Wilson did last year. He did not make as many big plays um, unless he was like, like wide open, right? With like no one else around him. When there are like people like in his vicinity and he has the ball in his hands, he did not make like the big plays that I would expect like a Tyree Kill, a Jalen Waddle to to make, uh, which makes a uh, Jamar Chase. Like these players, they they make the defenders miss and then they get the sixty yard right. Then you saw Jamar Chase do that over and over again last year. That's what made him elite. I didn't see Garrett Wilson do that at the college level consistently, and that that was a big problem for me. That's a big knock for me. Um, but you know, what do I know? Everyone else has a mocks like super high, so he's going number seven to the New York Giants. <laughs> um at number eight, um, I'll just go to ten here. Number eight, Atlanta Falcons, the boys. Um they have a lot of needs. This team is just so bad. Like they have no money. Yeah. I was like looking at the Falcons. I'm like, well, good. You know, the great thing about the Falcons is that they can literally get any player, and it'll help. <laughs> yeah, they they basically have the the luxury of going well, the luxury I say, quote unquote, um, of going best player available here. For me, that's Jermaine Johnson, Edge, Florida State. Crazy thing about Jermaine Johnson. So if you don't know, Jermaine Johnson is actually a transfer from Georgia to Florida State. Imagine Georgia had like, oh my Jesus Christ! Like that's disgusting if they had Jermaine Johnson on top of what Georgia, they already had on that defensive end. Yeah, the Georgia defense. The Georgia defense could have five players going the first round, which is already like unheard of. Like if you had Jermaine Johnson back, my God, that would have been insane. Historic, but, historic defense. Yeah. It's already historic. Georgia, I think George, the right. Georgia defense last year was the best college defense that I've ever seen, that anyone's ever seen, ever. Like, they're just so fucking good. They're going to have, like... I mean, they would have they would have achieved invincibility at that point. Yeah, they're going to have eight players go in, like, the top 50. Like, that's crazy. That's insane. I, I've never seen that. Anyway, from the... Just the defense. Crazy. Anyway, um, Jermaine Johnson... Back. Uh, Florida State, he transferred there from Georgia, obviously, because the Georgia line was just, like, loaded, right? It's just, it's a crowded room out there. Um, he dominated at Florida State. He's the SEC Defensive Player of the Year over Trayvon Walker, over Jordan Davis, over N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, over all of those guys. He's the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he dominated in Florida State. He's an extremely good Ed Rush edge player. Um, I think the floor and I think Atlanta would be super happy to have him. I don't remember the last like edge rusher that they drafted high that that really panned out for them. Um, so I think Jermaine Johnson going here, I have no problem with. Number nine, Seattle Seahawks. All right, this is this is where I ran into trouble because I was like, holy shit, like who do they go? Um, their biggest needs are probably like offensive line. They probably need. I mean, they also, like, need a QB at this point because they traded Russell Wilson away. Yeah, quarterback, yeah. And, 
but oh man, it, it I was brutal. And then it's still not it's still not late enough for the quarterback or too early for Yes, it, it's right? too early for the quarterback. I really I was between two well three players here. I was between Kayvon Thibodeau, edge player, um, who I just feel like I feel like Seattle still there. Exactly, still, still there. there. Exactly, and and I feel like when they see him still there, they're gonna be tempted. They're gonna be high because I definitely was when I saw Cam on the video still there. I don't have that high of a grade on Cam on the video, but because of his like ceiling and because of how much big of an athlete he is, I was I was super tempted. So Cam, I was between Cam on the video, Kyle Hamilton, who have, who we haven't talked about, who is a probably a top ten talent, um, but is likely falling out of the top ten here, um. Because he ran a slow 40 during his pro day. Um, he ran like a 4.59 or, or something. He should have run really like low 4.5s or really 4.4s four is what he should have run. Um, so that that's going to hurt his stock a little bit. Safety out of Notre Dame. He's a beast. He's like 6.4 or something. And he plays safety. And he just looks like a fucking like beanstalk that's running nice out there. nice to have. Yeah, it's a real yeah. guy. Like, he's got super rangy as fuck. Like. <laughs> and uh, so like I was between him, him um and then jordan davis defensive lineman defensive tackle out of georgia who again is a an athletic beast a monster even maybe more than trayvon walker like this guy is a beast of beasts um so i was between those three guys i ultimately went with Kayvon thibodeau i don't think seattle's going to be able to resist the the gleam the glamour that is Kayvon thibodeau um Ah, man, I still don't feel very good about this. That makes me the most nervous. If I get that right, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> um, Too many dominoes, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, Too many like, dominoes. Get, getting to number nine is, like, already getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, right? I'm like... already just, like, so stressed. Um, okay, and then number 10, we'll finish it off here. New York Jets, back on the board after picking Ahmad Gardner at number four. I gave them Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Um, wow. Okay. I think, so, again, here I was between Drake London, Kyle Hamilton again, and Jamison Williams. Um, I think that they would definitely prefer to have a wide receiver over a safety because, again, they also drafted a rookie quarterback last year, Zach Wilson, who needs help. Um, it's very clear that he needs help at wide receiver. And we know that because the Jets tried to trade for Tyree Kill. They're trying to trade for Debo Samuel. They're probably trying to trade for Kadarius Tony right now. Like, they're trying to get, like, any sort of wide receiver help that they can get. Um, so I think there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to pick a wide receiver with either four or ten. Um, and I think right here, they're, they, I gave them Drake London because... Uh, he's a like I said before. He's a bigger wide receiver who's he's not as he's not a speed burner, but he's a guy who's going to give your quarterback a safety blanket. And when you have a developing quarterback who's really young, Zach Wilson, I think he's going to be 22 this season. I think he was 21 when he got drafted. I want to say I could be wrong, uh, but he's really young. It's his second year. He needs a guy who he can both develop with. And also be a guy who he can safely, consistently make throws to so that he can get in a rhythm, he can uh, build chemistry, and 
he can have some sort of outlet when things go wrong, when plays break down inevitably, um, and he needs to get the ball out of his hands. Drake London is the best wide receiver in this class for that. And so he goes, for me, number 10 to the New York Jets. Boom. Yeah, I actually really like that one. I mean, it's um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like you said, it, it's like it's like giving your developing quarterback the training wheels, right? Yep, exactly. Um, right. It's 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 a great idea, actually. I really like that. Um, yeah, go. I think um, I think it's it's I think it's gonna be exciting, man. And the NFL draft is always a freaking beast, right? I mean, it's like unlike any of the sports, unless uh, unlike it's. I mean, baseball is even bigger of a beast, but nobody really cares about that. Yeah. But um, the NFL draft is such a beast, man. Like, uh, but I- I'm gonna keep my eyes on it, man. And um, I mean, your your picks, like they they sounded pretty uh convincing, they convincing good, to me right? at least. So, yeah. Well. Yeah. Like I I, I mean I mean <laughs> you sold it, you sold it for sure. I mean we'll have to see, and um, you know, if you do get the hundred grand, man. Sheesh. Gonna have a, a a studio for the podcast. <laughs> I actually, unfortunately, I can't get a hundred grand because the 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 site that's doing it, they're only like they're only eligible in like Colorado, New Jersey, New York, like you know those states with like sports gambling or whatever. Lame. Yeah, I know it's freaking lame. lame, man. I would have loved to get a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I I stay as uh, if like my top ten is absolutely correct. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we're going to return to it. We're going to return to it next week for sure. So. Hell yeah. So, um, but, 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 but it, it's on the record. It's on the record. Uh, we're we're going to come back to it. But uh, I, I think we'll wrap it up here for this week. Yeah. Um, once again, uh, this is Andy and Sanha. And um, yeah, keep it 111, guys. Uh, see you guys next week. See ya.